You're listening to Inside the White Line with Tomas Moore. Okay, delighted to be joined by former Armagh All Ireland winning fullback Justin McNulty and Justin Howard Hings. Great, thanks, Tomas. How's your good self? Long good. time no see. Yeah, um, obviously involved with Leash Sportfest back in the early 2010 era. So it's good to good to chat with you again. We've 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 plenty to talk about. I suppose your career has has changed a lot um, since you were in Leash. Um, you're now uh, a politician. Um, so how how did that all come about? Yeah, I'm a diverse career portfolio, that's for sure. Um, listen, politics has been a backdrop to my life from a very young age. My mum and dad were both very active in the SDLP all through my upbringing. Um, and I've always been a big supporter and follower of the SDLP. And um, I just saw a time I thought that it was right for me to make my contribution. And um, I stepped up um, to stand for election. and. Thankfully, at the second time of asking, I was elected by the people of Mary and Armagh and very, very honoured to represent those people on a daily basis. And I've been very, very busy with the last number of months, obviously, with, with the pandemic, um, trying to represent the challenges that people are facing, and there are many. Yeah, and I, I just, I do be reading some of your stuff up and down, like, you know, it's, it's um, obviously... The Republic, to what the Republic are doing to what Northern Ireland is doing is different when it comes to lockdowns and etc. Do you reckon an All Ireland approach should, should have been taken to lockdowns? I think it should have been without question from an earlier stage. Uh, shouldn't have even been a matter of negotiation, it should have just been a, a practical, a common sense approach adopted. We're in Ireland and we're in a pandemic, work as one, and that would have been um, a rational approach to adopt. Um, but um, I'm only one person speaking, so there are others of other ideas, so um, we are where we are. Yeah, um, hopefully early 2021, middle of 2021, it'll, it'll be gone and everyone can live uh, life as normal. As I said to you, GA background as well, um, and the GA has has probably been a godsend, godsend, Justin, for many people that have been stuck at home the last number of months that they've been able to virtually watch every match, whether it's on RTE or BBC or GA online as well. I think it's been such an important release for for individuals, for families, for communities to be able to to step up and, and support their team on a weekly basis almost over this last number of months. And there's been something to follow either the men's football or the ladies' football or the camogie or the hurling. Um, so it's been a huge release. And you, I, you almost plan your weekends around what matches are on. And um, whilst we've taken some heavy hits with in terms of our own teams, uh, their performances, you know, it's, it's just been, you know, GEA is just part of our national psyche and um, for it not to happen this season will be a huge, huge blow and I think it's been a huge, a really important release for, for people in, in the communities. Yeah, and just to, to quickly touch on politics again, uh, John John Hume and Seamus Mallon, uh, Seamus Mallon was a family friend of, of, of yourselves. Um, you know, when the passing of, of John Hume came earlier on in the year as well. Um, you, you spoke very highly of him. Um, so there are obviously people that you've looked up to throughout your political career and in the, in the early career of, of yourself as well. Oh, no doubt. Um, listen, there are two gentlemen that nobody can question that they made an enormously positive contribution to our island. And they tried to bring people and different communities along with them without uh, hurting anyone along the way and um, I think their, their contribution to this island will, will stand uh, the, um, over time for, for many generations in terms of what, what they've done for people. Yeah and your, your home house Justin, um, based in South Armagh, Lisley I think is, would I be correct in saying that, a tiny farm community on the foothills Lisley, of Lisley, Lisley, it's Lisley, which is the Irish, it's the Great Foot, it's okay. in the part of South uh, Armagh, yeah. And it's according to mythology is where Cucullin played as a child, um, I was just reading that a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
obviously you would have been probably exposed or you would have known a lot about the troubles in in around that area um, of South Armagh when you were growing up. Um, would you have much recollection of it? Oh, of course. Listen, the, the troubles were a backdrop to my upbringing um, and everybody's upbringing in South Armagh. It was just normal life for us. And it's incredible to look back and think about what was normal life for us. You know, within my house, there were uh, three army military posts on the top of mountains within one mile of my house. That's what we lived, we grew up with, with uh, army, British Army lookout posts looking in through our front door, our back door, on our side door, you know, our side windows. Uh, it was just bizarre to think back about it. And, uh, you know, I was in the busiest heli route in Europe between Crosby Glen and Bestwick Barracks. There, there was a helicopter flying over our house the whole time, you know, morning, noon and night. Uh, British Army patrols, bombs, murders, bodies found the side of the road. It was just normal. It's sad to say, but that was just normal life for us. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't didn't support any of that activity at all, but that was what was going on around me. So, uh, obviously, as an SCLP supporter, we uh, were always in the side of peace, but the trolls were a big, big part of our all of our upbringings in South Armagh. Yeah, and you when when you were when you were growing up. Um... You were you were trusted with a bit of farming, um, yourself and Enda. <laughs> oh, listen, that's my uncle was a farmer and he had no kids, so we we were the farm children. Me, myself, and my twin brother Paul and Enda as well, and my sisters on occasion. We we worked, milked the cows, uh, did the hay, did the silage, did it all. Every part of the farming, cab cows. Oh, that was just you know when you're farm children, you you do everything. Yeah, and a uh, really, really important part of our upbringing, a really enjoyable uh, part of our upbringing, and uh, something I might go back to at one stage. And was Gaelic football always in the household then from a very young age? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, my dad was a football fanatic, he played for Armagh himself, and um, very actively involved um, in coaching from our earliest formative years, you know, whether that be with the club Mullaban or with the school. St. Paul's, he won in All-Ireland uh, vocational schools with St. Paul's uh, Bestbrook as coach and manager um, and he also was coached with RMI senior team so you know I've been in the dressing room of RMI in the 1985 league final I was in the dressing room with the team before the match half time after the match and it was a really amazing experience for a kid to be in that dressing room and see the team talk and before the game, half time, after the game, and the disappointment and the dejection of the players and management and everybody after that defeat. Um, I think to Monaghan, I think it was in, in '85. But so that was the that was a just it was normal for me as a kid. That was where I was, and it was just it was. But it was a hugely important, um, exciting, eye-opening experience for for uh, children, myself and my twin brother. Yeah. So yeah. football was just always there and. Um, introduced at an early stage from Alabama as a nine-year-old to another 12s and I can remember my first training session, I can remember the, the coach Charlie Grant, God rest his soul, and how he developed young people to really enjoy the sport and you know I remember the players I played with probably at club level was very formative as well, I was just very very lucky, very very happy, joyous upbringing really in terms of football and life in South Armagh. And the club in general um Justin made a huge contribution to Armagh teams around your era. Um, yourself, um, your your brothers Paul and Enda. Then you had Kieran McGinney, Benny Tierney. Um, like that was really a special era for for the club um, to have so many people involved in Armagh. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Really, to think the small rural club could have. Um, such a contribution to the county team at that time. You know, it's amazing that the first four men in the parade in 2002 were from Mullaban. Um, and that's testament to, testimony to the to work that went on at the club level from the, the coaches that we work with, that they work with us, you know, from Charlie Grant through my dad, Peter McDonald, and multiple other people who really brought us on as footballers and as individuals. And I'm very, very lucky to have had that experience. And it was, it was an honor to represent our club on our Ireland final day, no doubt about it, and, and for Armagh, and so, you know, it's, it's an honour to, to pull on the orange jersey for any, any player, and um, we're very lucky to have had four men, four Mullivan men there at the same time, and Neil Smith was there just before us, and he was, um, you know, at the same time as well, and he was, a, he was an idol of mine as a kid, 
you know, as a young fella, and then all of a sudden I'm playing with him at club level, I'm playing with him at county level, you know, a wonderful, wonderful player. And so it was really, really a special day, a special experience to, to wear the Armada Orange for every game. But the club um, experienced a huge turnaround, I suppose, from 1986 to 1995. It was a junior club, and within the space of nine, ten years or so, they were after winning an Ulster club senior football championship. Um, they won the 95 Armagh final against Armagh Harps, and then Ulster beating the Cavan champions. Like, how does a club turn around something like that in, in such a short space of time? That's an incredible achievement from, from a small Royal club. Um, 86 junior champions in Armagh and nine years later, Armagh senior club champions and Ulster senior club champions is phenomenal. Uh, obviously, I didn't play in 86. I was only 12 years old, but um, Benny Tierney and a few others, a few, others, a few other players did play in 86 and win a junior. Won a junior in 86 and then nine years later won a senior. I actually won an intermediate in 1982. I was playing in 1992 and we won the intermediate championship. And three years later, we were senior club champions and uh, went on to win the Ulster Club Championship. And that was obviously a wonderful experience. I, I put it down to uh, a combination of luck, a combination of good, good coaching and um, application of the players. You know, the commitment of the players was phenomenal. You know, the work rate of the players over a long number of years and there, there was heavy blows along the way. I think it took us, it took the club six or seven attempts to win the intermediate, you know, having, I think they were beating four intermediate finals before they eventually won it. Um, so combination of persistence, uh, good coaching, commitments, and dreaming big and working damn hard. Yeah, I think he got a trip to London out of the All-Ireland series as well. Um, the flight was delayed, I think, and uh, you were the only group of people that have ever celebrated a flight, a flight being delayed. No, the flight, the flight wasn't delayed. The flight was cancelled, even better. <laughs> the flight was cancelled. I'll never forget the experience of being us all being in the bar in Heathrow after the game. We'd just beaten London Towers in the, uh, the game after the Ulster Club Championship we, we, to, to the prelim to the All-Ireland semi-finals. The you know, team had to play the London team, and we were lucky that year we drew the London team, and usually that was a foregone conclusion, but this time it wasn't foregone because the fog made it a very, very dodgy affair because you couldn't see the halfway line, never mind see the other end of the pitch when you're at one end. But um, we got through tires and then we were on the way home and, and Heathrow and there was an announcement over the PA flight that, that, that to Belfast has been cancelled <laughs> and the roar of, of uh, approval from the from the Belfast was, was something to behold. So we had an actual night, night in London and uh, we enjoyed that night. We had some yeah, practice. Absolutely. Um, and, and I suppose the, the All-Ireland campaign ended against Airogue, Airogue back then, Airogue and Carlo, Airogue were a huge, a huge club, club team back then, but to get that run must have been remarkable um, for, for the club. Yeah, well, it was, it was. We also had the capacity to win it. Um, we just, a few things we got wrong that year. We had our dinner dance before we played Airogue, which was a foolish mistake in hindsight. Um, it sort of crowned the year off as if that we've gone as far as we're going to go. And that was very silly. Um, we had definitely the players to take on their rogue and we didn't do ourselves justice against, against them whatsoever. And it's a disappointment that, that will live with us for the rest of our days. Uh, but, but that's still not to take away what was an immense achievement from the club. Yeah, and I just want to touch on your friendship with Kieran McGinney. Um, obviously an absolute legend in our mass circles and, and a huge leader. Um, I seen a tweet from you last year. I think he had 32 years on broken server Sarmaz. So if you fast forward 12 months, it's 33. Um, uh, what kind of a, a, an exceptional person has has he been to Armagh and, and obviously a good friend of your own as well? Um, I guess the, the strongest trait Geezer has is he is a competitor. You won't meet anybody ever in your life who's more competitive than Geezer and um, that's, that's, that's his strongest trait and also he's a great great leader um, and brings everybody along him, along with him and uh, one of my earliest memories from Geezer is uh, I often tell him this that I remember being in the back of the minibus in Mullaban after we'd just taken a hide in at under 12 level and our coach was giving out to us and uh, giving out to Geezer about one's specific part of the game and Geezer was crying and he was so annoyed with himself and it was just uh, 
it's one of my earliest memories in, fo in football, in fact. Um, but that was just typical of him. He was such a competitor. He hated losing, and um, he did everything he could to try and correct whatever areas that were causing the team or himself not to be as good as they as he could have been. And he, he always sought to improve, improve, improve. He always wanted to find different ways to improve and try and help others to improve and bring it, bring try and engender that ambition to improve across not just himself, around all his teammates and the whole units. And that, that's what that was was his his uh, best attribute was his competitiveness and his willingness to work hard to improve and to bring everybody along with him in that goal in, in that journey of improvement. Yeah and both we finished football you know Yeah no go, go ahead. Yeah, he was, he was an exceptional, exceptional footballer. Yeah, he yeah, was right? absolutely. Um, um, and he had an exceptional footballer and an exceptional athlete, right? And he also had an athletics background as well from his mother, which was very important. Bridget was into athletics, and she was actually led the community's games in in Mullaban and in Armagh for many years. And uh, she developed the athleticism of the, of Geezer before he became a footballer. So he was an athlete first, and then a footballer, right? Which is something maybe that's overlooked. Um, and something that maybe Bridges not given the credit for, and um, and she did that for to, to, for numerous uh, footballers and, and sports people in in Armagh. Uh, and I know his cousin Jerry was the same phenomenal sprinters before they were footballers, right? And uh, that came from Bridges in, in Mulban and Armagh. Uh, so he was competing in the, in the community games probably before he was playing for Armagh, which was a good good foundation to have in sport. And did you find it strange coming up against him at the, in, in the sideline when you were with Leash and, and he was with Kildare then? Yeah, I did. I, did. I have to say that was very uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, just obviously you're there to do your job and both of us were there to do your job and we give it, we give it every bit of what we had to, to give. Um, but um, it's just not, not, it's not an easy place to be when you're, you're fighting with your friend essentially for, for, to, to uh, get the, get one over on your friends. Well, not to get one over, you get your, your team to get overcome your, your friend's team. And it's just not something that gives give me any pleasure at all, no. Yeah, both of you ended up in Nafina in Dublin. Um, he, was a, he was gone a little bit earlier, uh, I think, than, than, than you were. Um, your own move to Nafina, was that, was that down to work? Yeah, so I'd, worked, I'd moved to Dublin and I was living in... Southside Dublin. I'm, I'm working in the Southside Dublin. as before the motorway was built. The motorway changed things um, between uh, our home and Dublin. It changed journey time. You know, it took half an hour, forty minutes off the journey time without traffic and with traffic. There was an even bigger uh, time frame in terms of travel. So it just was really, really tough to travel from South Dublin to home to play club football. So, um, and I guess I wanted to try something different, and I wanted to. Cut my teeth in club football in Dublin, so it was a new challenge for me, and I was just just wanted to give it a, give it a go. I think I was the same for Geezer and the same for my younger brother Enda, um, and it was a wonderful experience. Playing the Finn, the Finn, they were a great team, great players. Uh, Ozzy McGalvin, there was former All Ireland winner with with Dublin. He was the manager, and playing with Jason Sherlock, playing with Des Macken, another arm man, man. Um, many great players. Played at the uh, Selling Connell. You know, great, great footballers and a great club, and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, you just touched on Enda. Enda's obviously had a huge career in relation to psychology. He was with the Irish rugby team for, for a number of years as well. Um, that's an area that you would touch on sometimes as well? I think everybody who's involved in sport, everybody's involved in performance at any uh, level. Not just in sport, you need to understand psychology, and some people have it naturally, but some, you know, for most people, they have to work on it. And something was something my father introduced us to from an early age, and it was something that was in the, the backdrop of our performance always. And yes, it's, it's, it's an important element of of performance, and yes, it's uh, it's a piece of the jigsaw. Yeah, um, I presume the dream is always to wear the Armagh jersey, Justin. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was. I didn't grow up dreaming about playing for Mullaghan. I grew up dreaming about playing for for Armagh, and from a very young age, and my heroes were Armagh players, and uh, I was privileged to have gotten that opportunity. And um, 
and have the success that I had. You know, I never would have dreamed about winning all all Ireland. Never thought it would be possible from from you know for our man to have done that. But we we worked hard and we got there and very very honoured and very very lucky to have joined the the Armad panel. But at the same time, as another a group of other very special footballers were joining and uh, we were moulded into a, a very competitive battling machine and. Thankfully, we drove the line and got one in Northern Ireland. We could have, maybe should have won more, but we have won. And I just read that a number of players would say there was a turning point in 1992 when Armagh lost a minor All-Ireland to Mead. You were ahead in injury time um, and Mead got a late goal. Would you agree with them saying that the heartbreak of that turned everyone into a stronger resolve? Uh, there were quite a few of us involved in that minor team. I was actually a sub on that minor team. I didn't get on that year at all in the championship. And my twin brother was playing all that year, and that hurt me a lot. Not being on that team, um, and maybe more determined and uh, more committed. Um, but yes, it, it definitely was. Uh, I guess it gave us the confidence to realise we are able to compete at, at the national level. We were able to compete with the big teams. Me were the big team at that time. They were winning senior Irelands, and we. Could have and should have beaten them in that minor final. It was it was a late goal that uh, scored us. Like Paul McGrain, Jared Marston, Andy McCann, Aidan O'Rourke, we were all involved with that that group. Uh, Barry O'Hagan. Um, so you know th- there was huge experience from that from that run at minor level, and it gave us the, the confidence and the belief to think that yeah here we did it at minor level, why not at senior level? So yes, yeah, so it was a huge huge turning factor for for the team. Yeah, and you, like you would have played under when you when you made the step up with um, with Armagh, um, you would have played under Joe Joe Cornyn, Brian Canavan. I I I'm nearly sure, and Brian McAlinden were were managers that you would have played under. Uh, tell us a bit about Joe Cornyn because um, obviously the younger generation now would wouldn't have seen Joe Cornyn in action, but he would have been hugely successful with Cross McGlen Rangers as well at that around them times. Yeah, Joe Joe Walsey uh, brought Crossman uh, to All Ireland club success for three three times before he came up became our manager. So that was huge, um, and that that brought its own um, belief around the team as well. So we're we're seeing a club who've just won three All Irelands and you know who've got four, three or four or five players on our panel, and you're thinking, here these guys are competing with. All Ireland level, we've done it at mayor level, we've done I've done it at club level um as well. And that all adds to the mix of belief. And um Joe came in and I remember early on in Joe's uh, management of Armagh, he said to the team, I'm here to win in All Ireland. So in within the first week or two, Joe told us as a group, I'm here to win in All Ireland. That's no effing right here. I'm here to learn. So what was done? We are focused on winning all Ireland. And guess what? We did it. Um, and in our first year. And probably we were within inches of winning more and a couple of breaks of the ball and we probably caught about two or three um, all Irelands. But we still, as I say, we still have that one. Yeah, and like Armagh would, players would always be known as tough and physical. Um, and Armagh probably started the whole strength and conditioning um, scenario like I remember talking to Eamon McGee on the podcast in series one and he said that they played Armagh in a league game around 2004 area I think and Armagh were doing a strength and conditioning session after a match and he said the Donegal players were kind of laughing thinking why why are these lads doing it but it was proven like that the strength and conditioning was was part of the Armagh way at the time and to, to be that physical team. Yeah, I think I think there was strength and conditioning going on a lot earlier. You know, we we're we we're doing it at a club level, um, under Peter McDonald back in ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. Um, you know, it wasn't as scientific as it's the SNC now, but it start, certainly was building strength into into our into our muscles from an early early age. And then obviously into our ma, we did it at even higher level with uh, Brian Callan and Brian McAlinden. You know, the you know, he brought in an army S and C guy. Again, it wasn't very scientific, but it built strength. It built a, a work capacity in, in our muscles and in, and in our minds. Um, and then Joe came in and he brought it to another level with, with John McCluskey. 
um, and it was just part of uh, our team development. And again, SNC is only one of the part, one, only one of the building blocks. It's, it's not everything. It's, it's one of the, you know. And um, I do, but I'm reminded also that Gary Keegan, who I worked with as leash manager, and he would always say SNC is the easy part. SNC is the easy part. So you have to. Uh, balance that up against you know the whole um, gamut of preparation for, for a high-performing team. Yeah, and obviously Armagh had wonderful players, and we'll talk about them in, in a couple of minutes as well. The, the intensity of Ulster football, Justin, um, I don't think there's any better than an Ulster Championship game when, when the ground is packed. You would have had huge clashes with Tyrone, and I was talking to Brian McGuigan last week, and, and he said Tyrone-Armagh was, was the games that he relished. Was, was Tyrone the team that you always wanted to get at? Uh, no, no, Tyrone <laughs> didn't factor for me, to be honest. The team that I loathed the most were down. I grew up, you know, I'm on the down side of the county, so I went to school in, in the Abbey and down. Uh, down were winning all Ireland when I was in the Abbey, and um, it didn't give me much joy. And they'd won, they're, you know, they'd five all Ireland, and we, as Armagh fans and, and uh, minor players, were just, I use our irrelevance, use our irrelevance. So, that was a big um, drive driver as well for us on the the, uh, the downside of the county, uh, but I know for the lads on the Arla, on the the Trung side of the county, it was very much the Trung were the, the major um, rivals. So so it just depends on where you which part of the county you're going on. But that then moved it moved it moved later on in our Arma my Arma career where Trung became a rival. So yes, no doubt about that. And Yes, there was a brilliant, brilliant uh, rivalry between the two teams. Um, and sadly, they got the better of us on a couple of big days. Like them, them Ulster days, though, are special, aren't they? Like the, the crowd, even if you have a match in Clonus, going up the hill in Clonus, and they're just huge, huge days. Oh, they're enormous, yeah. The excitement, the, I can still feel the hair standing up the back of my neck coming up the hill in, the, in Clonus on the coach before the match and the crowds. It's just an incredible cauldron of excitement a cauldron of, of uh, battle a battle place and it's just a, a fantastic experience playing there on the championship Sunday in the heat of summer it's just a wonderful wonderful experience I can still I can feel the blood in my throat from the from being totally out of breath you know you're you're so exhausted you've got lung bleed and it's just and uh, that's something I miss about the sport I miss that pain in your in your in your lungs that's um, you can't replicate that uh, the pain in your legs the next morning after the match, you just can't, it's just it's something that you don't think about the time, but you know, looking back and recalling it, it's just, it's why you play the sport and um, I miss that, I miss that competitive cut and thrust of the, of the sport. I want to bring you to 2002. Um, I want to read you a quote from Paul McGrain. Our first league game in 2002 was against Loud in Carrick Cruppen. We had a light session on a Saturday, the day before the game, a bit of kicking and shooting, then a walkthrough of a few moves. It was supposed to be non-contact, but Justin was marking Dermot Marston, and he went over on his ankle trying to tackle him. <laughs> his ankle was well swollen. He could hardly walk, and the physio advised him to put ice on the ankle for 10 minutes every hour, and that might help. Next day, Justin arrived with his eyes all puffed and struggled to walk, but wanting to get his ankle strapped so he could play the match. Kieran McGinney asked him, was he okay? And it transpired he got up every hour during the night to ice the ankle. That was typical of Justin. He was totally dedicated. So, how dedicated were you? Like, what what was your training regime when you were with the county, and how well did you, did did you prepare for games? I wanted to play every minute of every game. I think every footballer does, and um, I probably was recklessly um, determined to play that day as well. Um, but uh, Joe eventually, I think. 10 minutes before the off, with 10 minutes before we were to leave the training room, Joe said, No, listen, Justin, my ankle was up like a ball, like a ball. It was just, I was just being silly, probably, but um, Joe made me see sense. And uh, so it didn't start that day, didn't play that day. But um, no, listen, I, I think I was just a very competitive young man. And I wanted to play every time, every time I could for Armagh. And I was so, so, it was so important for me to play for Armagh. And I wanted to play every game, every minute of every game. And um, I was a very, very hard trainer. I think I had many very, very hard trainers around me, and we were we were 
all very competitive in training. Um, and I think that drove us on to be successful because each of us wanted us, never wanted us, one of our teammates to get the better of us in any drill or any uh, fitness exercise or fitness fitness routine. We drove each other on and we were, we competed against each other at a ferocious level. And that's probably was uh, fundamental to our success. And you beat Donegal in the Ulster final. So I wouldn't say there was anything special within me. I think we were all like that. Yeah, and I think that obviously when you have the likes of Kieran, Kieran McGinney drive, driving you on as well, um, it, that, that helps. Saying you beat Donegal in the Ulster final, um, played Dublin in the semi-final. Do you remember that the atmosphere that day with Hill, Hill 16 on your back for 35 minutes? I do indeed, yeah. It was um, sweltering, hot. Saturday, uh, cauldron, um, incredible intensity. Um, really, really close, really, really competitive. Every ball matters. Um, and I, I remember Kieran Whelan getting that wonder goal and thinking, oh, Jesus, here we go. Because Dublin had walked up, steamrolled over us in a league game not so many years before. And um, I was thinking, oh, geez, not again. But thankfully, we kept our composure. And we dug it out. A few long, the young lads really stood up. Paddy McKeever got a really important goal that day. The young lads really performed. Um, Ronan Clark. Um, and thankfully, Ray Cosgrove hit the post. Yeah. <laughs> that last kick. And uh, we got over the line just about. And obviously the final then against Kerry. Um, what was the build-up like in the week leading up to that All-Ireland final? Oh, there was a carnival atmosphere across our mind. It was just incredible, um, wonderful, wonderful flags. Flags went up everywhere. Every it was like a competition of villages and towns and and back roads to see who could who could erect the most bunting, the most flags, bigger flags, the bigger banners. Uh, people were painting their cars, um, painting the road, and. You know, the schools were all doing their things uh, for the kids, and it was really, really joyous for the community. But at the same time, we were we were there preparing really, really professionally, really coolly, really, in a really methodical manner. And um, behind closed doors, we were very diligently staying away from the hype. And uh, Joe controlled that very well, and we were focused. On our performance, we were focused on the job we had to do to go and play a game in Co Park against Kerry, who were, you know, the aristocracy, who are the aristocracy of the GA themselves, and and Dublin, and um, we were really excited. We were nervous. We were anxious. Uh, we were hungry. We were unsure. We were uncertain. We were, um, but we were together as a team, looking forward to it. Chopping at the bit to get out of the battle, chopping at the bit to get out carry, chopping at the bit to show uh, we can take these boys, chopping chop at the bit to show that us Northerners are not second class citizens in GA, we'll, we'll take it on, we'll go and go toe to toe with any team. And that was part of our psyche, big, big part of our psyche. Like you were playing alongside your brother as well, Enda. So a huge, a huge occasion for, for the family out, outside of anyone else in, in Armagh. It was enormous, enormous, yeah. Um, very, very, very lucky, very fortunate, very, very proud of Tip Sabergolder in, in an Ireland final, in an Ireland final campaign. Um, and you know that that builds that understanding. You know, you can't have any greater understanding than than with your brothers. We had that telepathy almost between each other. And added to that was we were playing with Benny Tierney, who would played along with the club level for so many years. So there was a telepathy between the three of us, no doubt about it. Um, and that was a. Was, this was a huge honour for, for our family, huge honour for the community in SNA and uh, for our club and for for everybody. I think that we, we, we did that. So I'm just honoured that that happened. I feel very, very lucky and very fortunate that I was able to win all Ireland alongside our brother. Very, very lucky, very special. Yeah, like Kerry had full forward line of Colin Cooper, Daryl Canada, and Mike Frank Russell. But like Armagh had a serious team as well. Oshin McConville ended up with 140 in the championship. Rona Clark, John McAtee, Steve McDonald, Kieran McGinney, Dermot Mardson, the, li- the list is endless. Like they were really two teams that were at, were at the top of their level, weren't they? 
Yeah, I remember, obviously, I remember watching back and seeing the halftime analysis on Patrick Pallan blocking the, the, the Armagh fullback line, actually, which is hilarious because his analysis wasn't very good. If he'd done his proper analysis, he would have saw that uh, the Armagh full forward line has scored three points each from play. Um, and that wasn't the case for the Kerry full forward line. So uh, if any full back line got a roasting, it was the Kerry full back line got a roasting that day. Um, but yeah, listen, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience to, to have done for the team to have done what, what the team did that day. It was really, really special. And everybody stepped up. You know, every, you know, for teams to be successful in big games, you have to have men able to come into the dressing rooms and put their hand up and say, I had a big game. And most of our map players could do that. And that's why we were successful. Um, and um, very, very special memory, obviously. And uh, there were people, you know, there, obviously there were moments in the game with, that were vital, but I think our, our full forward line scoring the way they did and working the way they did, and our half forward line, our midfield, working the way they did were, were just so important to our success. Can you remember much of the celebrations? Um, like, obviously, there would have been a huge euphoria of emotion. Um, did you ever get a chance? Like, how long did it take you to get a chance and, and take take a breather and look back at what, what was achieved? Oh, well, listen, I, from the final whistle, the feeling of euphoria was just something I can't, I can't, uh, can't put words on it. It was just unbelievable. The glow inside you, it's come, it's come rushing through me now, talking about it, so that final whistle and how, how euphoric I felt at the time was just beyond words. Um, and that that lasted for a long time. <laughs> that lasted for, I'd say, a few months because it was just really, really special. And, you know, it was obviously a boyhood dream to have done what we did. Uh, was never an achievable dream as a, as a child, but it was something. It was something I dreamed about. But um, it was really, really special for all of us and for for our families and for our clubs and for our county and for. I just give the whole county of Armagh a huge, huge lift and very, very proud to be part of that. I'm very lucky to be part of that. Should Armagh, should Armagh have won more than one? No doubt. We left, we left two or three behind us. Uh, we could have won 99. I don't think we did ourselves justice against me. And certainly in subsequent years, you know, 2003 was a kick of a ball. And you know, 2005 as well. And I think probably 2004, we got caught by Fermanagh. Um, probably not not caught off short. We definitely should have, but we didn't. You know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's gone now. We've got we've got one, and uh, the best team wins all earns, and yeah. uh, we were the best team only in 2002. Um, you made a quick transition just when when the playing day is finished. Um, 2006, you managed Mullahorn and Cavan. Um, you managed them to a, a Cavan senior title. Um, did you bring the traits that you would have had as a player with you to the management game? Of course, I think every every coach does. You know that you bring who you are into the, the dressing room as a player and as a coach, and um, brought the experience I had both at club level and at, at county level to that job. Um, obviously, it's a huge steep learning curve having never coached anybody at any level to go into manage a. Uh, senior club team who are um, hungry for success and who are hurting from having uh, had big defeats in previous years. It was a big, big challenge and, and one that wasn't easy and one that uh, the team, I think, brought the best out of me. <laughs> I think hopefully I brought the best out of the team and a uh, very, very happy experience managing Mullerhorn. And we, we, uh, we were lucky enough to win a cabin club title that year. It was, it was a huge, huge learning experience and really, really enjoyable one. Yeah, and you were obviously bridged St. Bridget's in Dublin as well. But you, you went back as a selector with Armagh. Um, obviously a role that you enjoyed going going back to your own your own county and being on the sideline itself. Absolutely, yeah. Paddy Rourke's uh, huge experience as well as a player and as manager. And it was a big learning experience there. Um, Mike McGurn was S&C coach was there as well at the time. So it was... Um, yeah, it was a great, great experience and a huge learning experience and one that I enjoyed and probably didn't, uh, weren't as successful as we would have liked to have been, but still it was a good year. And your first inter-county manager spell happened in the end of 2010. Um, you became leash manager. Um, 
I don't think it'd be unfair to anyone by saying that you changed the mindset of of the whole panel in leash uh, in relation to professionalism. Uh, Barry Solon came with you with in relation to strength and conditioning. Uh, the first meeting that you had with the players in the Heritage Hotel, I don't know if you can think back this far now, but uh, there was a shaking of hands with all the players and that's something that kind of transpired throughout your tenure that you shake the hands with with someone at the end of training. But you also told them that, that the players, that they had to believe in winning in All-Ireland because more or less, if you don't believe you're going to win in All-Ireland, you shouldn't really be here. I did, yeah. I think there's a few of them looked like me, looked at me as if the two heads, two heads. Who's this guy thinking? He's thinking coming down here, telling us we have to go aim for winning the All Ireland. Um, I, that's what my firm belief was. If you're not, if you're in county football, and you don't believe you're going to win the All Ireland. What the hell are you doing? You, know, you have to have that sort of dream and that vision and that ambition. Otherwise, you'll never get there. Um, but uh, listen, I, I really, really enjoyed the time with Leash. I think the great, great bunch of players. Um, we had our challenges and our hiccups along the way, but a great, great bunch of players, and it was a, three years I really, really enjoyed. And we did did achieve relative success. We didn't win the Leinster or um, ultimately challenge for All Irelands um, at the semi quarter final stage. Oh, should we did get a quarter final in twenty twelve? But the the. Listen, they were a great bunch of lads. I think, I think the experience was, I got huge guidance from Gary Keegan. Gary Keegan, who had been involved, obviously, with Ireland's boxing team. And I think uh, I brought Gary into GA. I think he's worked with Dublin then in subsequent years. But he would have given me a huge steer in terms of, whenever I got the leash job, I knew, I knew obviously, it's a step up going from club uh, coach manager, going from assistant manager up in Armagh to actually being the manager. I, I sought out Gary Keegan to, to guide me and give me advice and to mentor me. And Gary's guidance along that, during that time was phenomenal. And I, I don't know anybody who knows more about performance than Gary Keegan. He's a special, special man um, in terms of his insight, in terms of his knowledge, in terms of how to get the best out of players, to, to seek to get the best out of players. And I, I didn't always do that. And I'm not telling anybody I'm the guru and the team and myself both recognised that there were days we didn't get the best out of ourselves, no doubt about it. But I think that you know, for the most part, we um, did, our, did our best to deliver what we could on the big days. And um, that was, I think, hugely down to the, the guidance and the advice that was coming to me on a, from the background. I would have met with Gary regularly um, for him you know, to tell him what was going on and he would have helped me along the way. So and he would have done work with the team as, as well. So he was a huge part of um, my inter-county management uh, backup team. And now, obviously, I had men with me there as well, you know, the likes of uh, Paul Clancy, you know, Galway All-Ireland winner. He was, he'd been there, done that brilliant insight, brilliant man to have along with you on the sideline. Barry Solon, who, from, who had learned his S&C in athletes' performance, he conditioned the team into a different level than they'd ever been before. Now, none of the players would, would argue with that. Um, Having Donny Norton with you, John Mulligan, John Sugar, Nella Creary, Liam Delaney, Richard Brophy and Alan Hartnett, those guys, you know, they all brought something spe- something extraordinarily powerful and positive to the mix. And it was just a brilliant experience working with such a, you know, uh, experienced and uh, hungry management team. And then the players who were really, really brilliant players. It was, you know, phenomenally good players in leash who, um, Played in big stages with 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 the team when I was there, and we were we pushed teams hard along the way. Yeah, what was your connection with Barry Solon? Because um, people now that know Barry Solon know he's the the head of S and C with Arsenal. He would have worked with obviously with Leash. I think he was with Poland, and he was he was a couple of other different different things. Um, like when he came and just speaking to a couple of the players just you know, over the last couple of days, and like they said, it was probably the first time that they were really set into strength and conditioning work. Like there would have been bits and pieces over the years, but this was the first time that that there was a huge plan and a huge uh, ex- expectation, I suppose, on getting your strength and conditioning work done. Yeah, Barry. Barry did. Uh, I was working with Motivate Performance Excellence at the time, and we did a, a summer camp in UCD for teenagers to help them develop the skills that uh, met with, you know, psychological skills to achieve in sport and to achieve in life. And as part of that, we had an s element of it and Gertman's very worked 
with, with us there. And through that, I got to know Barry. And um, when I got offered the lease job, um, I knew what, what Barry had been working with Clint Hart Rookie as well. Um, and just asked, you know, did he fancy taking on the challenge of the lease job? And it was uh, Barry from a, from a GAA background as well, himself, and Mayo. And, um, battle of the Dream Man, a proud Battle of the Dream Man, and yeah. he, he jumped at the opportunity. And I didn't didn't recognize what Barry could bring until he actually started, and it was phenomenal. He worked with the county board. The county board put in a top class gym, which was incredible, right? And um, a gym that was ahead of its time. I don't think any other county team on the island had a gym like it in terms of the equipment, the, the, the proper equipment for uh, the SNC work they had to do as a footballer and um, I think we did our first block of training was two nights a week in that gym for two months and the players stuck with it and um, it, it really set the players apart when it came to the league because they had that, that work in the, in, the, in, the, in the bank and uh, that is down to the expertise and the, the scientific approach of Barry Sloan which was something to behold. You remember training out in the old Port Leash grounds. I don't know if you've seen the new uh, facility that's there, but it's worlds apart and what than what was there when you when you were there. Um, and I think there could have been a couple of inches of snow, and I think the players were looking out the door wondering was training going to go ahead, but uh, it went ahead anyways. It went ahead. Yeah, some great photographs of that. Night, actually, it was a there was a block in the gym and then a block on the pitch and the guys thought, no, we're too much snow. <laughs> They're too heavy a day of snow on the ground. But um, those things, they build, you know, they build, uh, they're not necessarily scientific, but they, they build character and the players enjoy it. And that's something that was, and that was um, so it's all about building teamship at every opportunity and that, that was one part of it. Yeah, and you won one promotion to Division One in the first season, um, lost the league final to Donegal. But like uh, uh, Michael Dar McCauley got a goal. I think it was Michael Dar McCauley got the goal in the All Ireland quarter final against Dublin. You know, like John O'Loughlin got a touch to it and it went into the back of the net. Like it was close back then, wasn't it? Like when you look at Dublin now, and everyone obviously Dublin are full of topics now, but Leash weren't too far off them in, in twenty twelve. Yeah, well, that was, John would say that was known goal, you know. Um, but, yeah, listen, we, we only for that, you know, it could have been a different game. And uh, we pushed them very close. We beaten by, beaten them by that goal. So, uh, we were definitely competitive. And we could have could have won that game. I'm not saying we should have won it, but we certainly were just having a position to win it. And a few, um, a few decisions on the day, and we could have won that game, no doubt about it. A few different decisions, a few better executions, and we definitely could have won the game. But... We didn't, um, but we definitely pushed Dublin hard that day. There's no, no doubt about it. And listen, that was a great run that year with some great, great performances. Uh, I think Wexford and Wexford Park, that was a sunny Saturday. That was a brilliant, brilliant performance. And then beating Meath as well. Um, it was really special year and uh, great, great fun along the way. Yeah, yourself and Fergal Byrne had a good battle with Jim McGuinness and Rory Gallagher in 2013 up in, uh, in Carrick and Shannon. Was that the Armagh-Donegal rivalry uh, in a pressure cooker of a game? No, well, it was just uh, Donegal had this ploy and Rory Gallagher was good at it, of trying to distract the opposing management, distract the opposing team by, you know, you have your zones, your designated zones where you're not supposed to climb. Rory would intensely run through our zone and run on, run on the pitch, run back through our zone. So he was coming back one time and I said, Rory, you're going to get dunked. <laughs> and Jim McGinnis was down in our zone as well. And so I said, listen, enough's enough. Get back. Get out of here. This is our territory. Get in your own. And we fell out. And we didn't have, we didn't have kind words. Um, so I was marking my territory, let's just say. And... Uh, Fergal, Fergal was in very quickly to back me up, but then there was there was almost a melee. But listen, that's all part of football, and yeah. um, I guess I was setting out my stall. I was showing um, wisely or otherwise that I'm here for, I'm up for the battle here. So no, no fucking round. Get out of here. Get out of my territory. This is our space. So that, that, I, was, I guess I was marking my territory. Would any intercounty management appeal to you again in the future, or have you kind of just parked that? Um. I miss it. I miss it. Most. It's a big part of who I am is uh, GEA and football and working with teams. Um, will it ever happen again? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say, but certainly I miss it. And 
probably would love the opportunity to go wild again at that senior at the county level, no doubt about it. Yeah, and like obviously with Dublin winning, um, and it's it's huge topic at the minute. Like, is the appeal gone a little bit for players? Maybe that 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 are trying to to get up to, like to their standard. Obviously, it's it's hard to to get up to their standard. But is the appeal gone from it a little bit for players? I don't think so. I don't. I really don't think so. I don't think players start playing for Armagh thinking, no, we're never going to be able to compete, compete with Dublin. I don't think players start playing for Leash and saying, no, we're never going to be able to compete with Dublin. I don't think it's the same in any county. It's, you know, the way the way laws go around, as somebody asked me, who I haven't mentioned in the nation already, at Kavanaugh, the way laws go around, he used to say, and I think that's going to happen, and Dublin are going to be caught, and it might not happen this year, but it's going to happen. You know, on big days, things have just gone right for Dublin, and there's going to be a day when things don't go right, and it could happen in two weeks, and uh, things could start to change very quickly, and that's what's going to happen. And... Um, you can talk about resources, you can talk about money, and Dublin have a, have a huge um, percentage of that, but that doesn't, you can't pay for work rate. You can't buy work rate, you can't buy effort, you can't buy working as a team. That comes from good coaching, it comes from good management, it comes from the character of the guys, and uh, that's what you need to work towards on every other county as well, developing that at that level. And uh, once other teams do that, Dublin will be beaten. You mentioned Noel O'Reilly. Um, he was known as a stig, uh, as far as I know, in the in the, in the least dressed room. I think the players didn't know who he was there for a long time. Um, Noel, Noel is uh, just he was a cute, acute cabin hoor. I described him. He just he knew football. He knew, and he just he would be able. To, his greatest strength was he was able to see a change, a change in game time, live game time, in the heat of battle. He says, "What about that?" You know, he just come over and say something. You'd say something in my ear on on the mic. And he'd tell me, how about that change? And that was his strength. And that was, uh, he had that back in Mullhorn days, and that's why I brought him in, because he could see something that I couldn't see. And he, he, that was something that was a huge strength of his. I want to finish up with your best six players that, that you've played with in your, in your career. Um, not an easy uh, job, I'd imagine. Um, so it's one, it's one I ask every, every person I have on, Justin. So it's one from each line in the field. Um, the best, the best goalkeeper that you've played with? Any Tierney, no doubt about it. Brilliant, brilliant shot stopper. He's one of the, he probably has the greatest save I ever witnessed in all time in, in against Trone in 1996. No, sorry, it was 1997 in Healy Park. Actually, that was the day Young McGuire died. Um, yes. God rest him. But that day, the save he made from Peter Canavan was the best save I've ever witnessed in my life. It was just unbelievable. I think myself, Collie Henry was full back that day and I was cornerback. And just, we were both aghast at how the hell did he stop that shot? How the hell did he get down on that ball on, on, on Canavan's boot? It was just the best save I've ever seen as a player. Um, no doubt about it, Benny Tierney. And the best player on the full back line? Um, no doubt about it, my brother Enda. Enda McNulty, who could take down the best sharpshooter on any team in Ireland in their pump. The best player who were on top of the game and they could hold them scoreless. And, and did that on multiple occasions. The best player in the half. He, he wouldn't just hold them scoreless, he would nullify them, nullify their, their contributions to the game. And that was, that was back when the sport was a different sport. Now, GA football is a different game than the game I played. It's a different game now in terms of the setups, in terms of the, the organisation of teams. Where they um, def- defend their mass and attack on mass, that wasn't there. We are man for man uh, in our own zones uh, back in the day, and and they could do that in, the, in when that game was there. When when there wasn't the cover that other uh, fullbacks are afforded now, that cover wasn't there, and they could still take a man out. Super. Um, the best best player in the half back line. Easy, Kieran McGinley. Supreme captain, uh, supreme, supreme leader, supreme competitor, uh, brilliant footballer, um, brilliant tackler, very, very physical footballer, and uh, could score as well. Brilliant passer, all rounder, um, huge, huge player. And we all know how huge Terry was. Yeah. Um, the best midfielder that, that you've played with? Paul McGrain, um, class, class act. 
uh, as a footballer, you know, remember there was huge rivalry between my school and his school, two year East school, as Abbey as a co-man's. And I remember playing against him at Ranafast level and then playing with him at Armagh Miners. And just a fantastic footballer, fantastic, honest, driven competitor. Um, both feet, both hands, fantastic fielder, great scorer, um, unbelievable worker. Did all the right things, did everything by the book. And as honest a man on the pitch or off the pitch, you would not meet. And uh, two to go. So the best player in the half forward line? Oshie McConnell. Um, the guy who, when you need a score, he'll pop up and get it for you. And he did it at a club level for across the for so many years. Um, I'm not sure. They haven't won in all Ireland since since Arshin retired, and uh, that's how for how badly he is. He he got them over the line in so many big games, and he got Armagh over the line in so many big games. When the pressure, when you're in the real, real pressure cooker of the competition, and your chips, everything's going wrong for you, but you're you're still able to shout, get the ball to Arshin. And when the pressure is the biggest, and there's a man dragging out of him, and there's Looks like there's no possibility of him getting the shot off. He'll get that score. Somehow he'll get that score. And uh, leave it from freeze as well. And obviously, just, just a fantastic score, yeah. Yeah, I listen to him most uh, Mondays on the Irish Examiner podcast, and he's a, he's a fountain of knowledge as well. So, um, oh, he's fantastic. He's not, he's a good couple of an, an analyst, uh, none better. Yeah. None better. And the best player then on the full forward line? Jimmerd Martin. Um, just an automaton of a footballer, phenomenal uh, power, strength, speed, balance, poise. Um, and again, a guy who had a ferocious work rate, a guy who could get got big scores, and a guy who had big, big plays for Armagh on the year, the year we won the All-Ireland and many other years as well. But that year, I'm taking around against Kerry, I'm taking a big, big play in the first half to, to get a score that kept us close. Um, brilliant, brilliant footballer, brilliant ball winner. Um, he win dirty ball, win, win any type of ball, Jimmer could win it, and he could score from anywhere, and he was a brilliant goal getter. He just, he was brilliant at, at getting on the end of things. I think with Ray Morgan, his his school coach, used to say to Jimmer, just, just I want you to get on the end of things, and Jimmer was brilliant at just getting on the end of things, come at the right time, but, but tuck that ball away in the net. He was a genius of footballer, absolute genius of footballer. Yeah, and if we include yourself in that team, we'd have a fair uh, seven-a-side team then to take on anyone as well. Um, <laughs> Justin, you've been fantastic. Um, I, want, I want to leave you with a story before, before go on, we, yeah. drop, we drop off. Come on, so I want to just encapsulate everything that's brilliant about the GA. Sunny, sunny Saturday evening down in uh, Wexford Park. We're taking on uh, Wexford in, the, in the, the back door in... 2012, and uh, I think it was Evan O'Carroll's debut actually that day, and we were really nervous. Now he's really nervous as uh, as the manager, and um, I guess Evan O'Carroll was getting nervous. But Park Clancy did, did two things that were genius. Number one, he, he stole Evan O'Carroll's boot out of his bag to let so the Evan O'Carroll was, was going crazy around the dressing room looking for his boot, and there was me thinking, Jesus Christ, here's some player coming along. He's forgot one of his boots, but Clancy had the boot hidden, right? So what Clancy was doing was relieving the pressure. And then another, I got a message from one of the, one of the players who said, Justin, you need to go and look in the showers. And Clancy had planted a fake poo in the showers. <laughs> and this before uh, <laughs> an All-Ireland qualifier championship game. And I started getting very edgy, going fuck mad, and starting going looking, get me somebody from from uh, Wexford, some official here from Wexford to get rid of this, to sort this out, clean this up. This this is disgraceful. Meanwhile, Clancy was there chuckling away, and uh, Kevin Meaney and a few of the boys were chuckling away because they knew what Clancy was at. And I was getting really, really uptight. And eventually, the guys said, hey, "Justin, Justin, settle down, settle down. <laughs> it's only a fake poo, right?" But what that did was it completely relieved the tension of the dressing room. And what did the team do? The team went out and played, and they were on fire. And um, it was a message that don't take yourself too seriously. Remember, it's only a sport, and be able to go out and let loose and go out and play. And that's the most important thing. And um, give up is so, is so much fun, so much seriousness, so much competitiveness about it. But it's really, really fun. And when you let loose, uh, you can really go and achieve special things and a really, really wonderful experience at Leash. And uh, I, I, I thank Park Clancy for 
we're reminding me not to take myself too seriously. Yeah, he actually texted me uh, yesterday and he, he told me to say hello and, and uh, he used to go on re- really well with you and he had some good stories. So that's obviously the story that he was talking about. <laughs> Brilliant. Tell me what's awesome for him. Justin, thanks very much. Um, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Um, obviously, it's been great to chat to you again after knowing you all them years ago. So, um, listen, fantastic career. Best of luck with your political world. Um, and look, uh, no, no doubt we'll cross swords again at some stage. Hopefully so, Thomas. Take care.